Hello and welcome to the Harry Man Show, episode 49. Today is a true honor to have a, an excellent craftsman on the show. We have David Loggy from uh, Base Case Drum Co. He does some amazing stuff and he's got a lot of good things in the works. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about it today. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Um, you're calling all the way from Washington, D.C., right? That's right. Our nation's capital. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so you, you busy working on drums today or you just have a, quite a few projects stacked right now? Super busy. I'm working on drums today. Uh, as many uh, drum makers in the industry have had a little bit of a snafu with FedEx, which has slowed things down a little bit, but I'm um, just tying up loose ends. It's uh, pretty busy over here. Oh, nice. So I want to talk about, are you the founder and the owner of the company? Yes. Nice. Yes. And uh, how long do you, have you been uh, going at it with this company? Uh, I started Case Ace in 2017, um, didn't really bring it out to the world, was kind of like putting pieces in places, trying to get patents and all of that fun stuff before I kind of launched. I would say I officially launched in 2018. Oh, nice. So that's pretty recent there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a new company. It's still really small, nice. um, but that's that's kind of the way I like it. I like to put hands on every single piece that goes out, you know? Nice. And uh, is it just you doing the whole thing, the whole operation there? Yeah. So as far as the manufacturing goes, that is something that solely I do. Oh, nice. Yeah. I won't let anybody else touch <laughs> touch my drum. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty honorable. And it shows in your work, too. Appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, it so takes a lot of time. Yeah. So what was the main inspiration? Were you just into the idea of drum building or are you experimenting with actual suitcase drums? So, I mean, you know, I'm a drummer. I've been a drummer since I, you know, was a kid. Um, and so I've always been drawn to custom drums, um, you know, like growing up with Travis Barker and seeing, you know, plaid Orange County kits and stuff like that. I was always super drawn to the unique drum kit. Mm -hmm. um, I never really made drums. I mean, I, I, I played around with it. Woodworking is sort of a passion of mine, but it wasn't until... I bought a car that was way too small for a drummer to buy. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize how catastrophic that was until I tried to fit a drum kit in there. And so like a lot of drummers, I found myself kind of looking for a solution that was portable, but that also had some tone qualities and where I didn't have to lose a lot. And I saw suitcase drums as sort of an old school way to, you know, pack up a drum kit and be, have a super small footprint. But there were flaws, I felt like flaws in the designs that I was seeing. And I didn't really see anybody who was making like a tour proof, um, you know, super high end version of that. And that's kind of what I wanted. I was willing to spend a little bit more. And so at the end of the day, I just ended up making one and put it on Instagram. And then a lot of my drummer friends freaked out <laughs> and then I, I started making some for them. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. It just kind of spiraled out of control from there. And that's actually how I found you too, just going through Instagram and I started seeing your stuff. I'm like, this is amazing. This, uh, you know, even the way you do your photos <laughs> and the colors, it, it's a truly like a, truly a work of art there. Um, I appreciate that. Now you, you mentioned you had a small car. Were you uh, bringing around a, a smaller kit at the time or did you start kind of just playing out with the suitcase kit right away? So as soon as I built my first case, I immediately ditched the full size kit and started using that as what I played with. In in Washington D.C., there there's not a lot of freestanding houses, so playing drums in your house isn't really an option. Mm -hmm. um, so for the longest time, I would carry a drum set in the back of my car, and I would literally stop at parks, 
street corners and I would busk as a way to essentially practice without paying for a space. Oh, nice. Switched to a smaller car that immediately was not possible. And so it was kind of the, the race was on to find some sort of solution where again, I can have something portable, but I don't really lose a lot because <laughs> it always seems like you were sacrificing something Yeah. when you went to something portable, either it looked super weird and gimmicky or it just didn't sound the way it should sound. Um, there just always seemed to be kind of a downside. And so I felt like looking at a suitcase drum, almost from the perspective of a speaker, you know, if you put a, a drum inside of a resonating chamber, would that make it sound fuller and bigger? And it just luckily worked. So kind of developed from there. Now, speaking of that, I know it, it came with a t- uh, practice and on, di- but what were your challenges dynamically? Was it, was the suitcase projecting like a bass drum at first or was that something that no. was kind of a, a, like a uphill battle with that? Yeah. I mean, it sounded like, um, at first it sounded like what you think it would kind of like a dead muddy, uh, sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it wasn't until I figured out air pressure that the tone started to become more pronounced. And it just, you know, it took a lot of trial and error. Um, but essentially, you know, like a speaker box, if you manage the air pressure, you can increase the tone that you get. And so it actually turned out to be a really popular product for studios. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you can essentially put a mic inside the case and it's like having your own isolation room just for your bass drum where you can pretty much do and get whatever tone you want, hmm. you know, just based on control. So. Mm-hmm. Nice, and that's that's definitely a whole experimental field there too. Um, before we dive into yeah. the, the specs of it, I, I kind of want to talk about. You said you were a drummer prior to this. Uh, how long were you playing, and what were your main influences? Oh man, um, so I've been playing since I was thirteen. So um, I'm thirty two now. So if you kind of place that timeline, mm-hmm. pretty standard influences: Travis Barker. Um, I actually was a huge, when I was a kid, a huge Lars Ulrich fan. I know that's very uncool now, but, um, <laughs> it's cool. I, I was a, he was a, he influenced me to play double bass. Yeah. I was, I was in a Metallica cover band. That was the first band I was ever in. Oh, we nice. played the eighth grade talent show. <laughs> um, so I got my first girlfriend too, but <laughs> there you go. But yeah, you know, and then I, I got into more, um, more rhythm based music. Uh, I was, I was heavily into, uh, reggae um dub things like that uh dance hall music and then i got into hip-hop um and i've just kind of been really an open book when it comes to drumming i don't have one particular genre that i lean towards i basically just you know play whatever i what feels natural at the time you know yeah and uh, you mentioned travis barker and he was kind of I, I i don't know if he's the first person to do this but play like a at 22 in depth, you know, bass drum and experimenting with different bass drum sizes there too as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was, you know, in my opinion, one of the first pioneers, at least in the mainstream of just saying like, how crazy can we make the actual instrument itself? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so obviously like I'm super, I'm actually making one for him. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Tra- Travis is on the build list. Um, <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was a, that was a big milestone for me. Yeah. You know? And speaking of Travis, um, he did put Orange County on the map, in my opinion. I know there's some other bigger hands and play with that company with Adrian Young and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. he did, you know, commercialize the art of the custom drums, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. I mean, uh, I yeah, Orange County 
before and after Travis Barker was vastly different. And it, and honestly, I think it opened up, you know, to other, um, to other companies that were pushing the envelope too, you know? Yeah. It kind of, he kind of had wacky finishes and weird hoops and, you know, I mean, I do, I definitely like to pay credit what it's due, but, uh, that, I mean, I like how it tied into the influence of getting you going and now it's going full circle with you. <laughs> I know. Right. I actually, um, I have a signed Travis Barker drum head, uh, that I have like on a shelf and I've had it on a shelf forever. Huh. And it was funny. I was working on his case and kind of looked up at the signed drum head. I was like, this is just weird. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> are, are you able to tell us what kind of, what kind of style he's going, he's having you build? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can. Um, so he wants, uh, he's really into like the black leather look. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a black leather case with sort of like a caramel leather accents. So caramel leather handle, caramel leather corners, and then straps. Um, and then we're doing bright brass hardware all around nice. and I'm doing an exotic hoop and just a totally crazy custom interior. So yeah, that sounds classy to be honest with you. And you know, it kind of sounds like a Cadillac style. Well, it's funny. Um, I'm actually uh, manufacturing. Well, I'm I'm upcycling a classic Cadillac emblem to be the badge for this. Oh yeah, and no. so yeah, I saw that. Coming. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, most it, you know, if Travis Barker went to any drum company and was like, "Build me a drum set," like they, that's probably where most people's minds would go. You know? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. But he's I, really into classic Cadillac. But to gear it back to you, so obviously you said you were playing street corners and influence. What was like? Was that kind of becoming like a, a hip thing in Washington D.C. on that, that side, like kind of like the the street corner hip hop drumming? Yes, that is huge in Washington D.C. Um, you can go to like Chinatown in D.C. on any day. Well, I, mean, I guess pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. and see a whole multitude of amazing artists. Um, and, and that's really like the community that I started building this company. And I have a lot of great friends that mm-hmm. have leveraged their street performance career into like actual careers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's very much like the culture in Washington, DC. There's a genre of music called go-go, which a lot of people do when they street perform. There's a lot of like mobile go-go bands, which is like a, a really weird mix of funk and hip hop with a little like gospel feel behind it almost. Oh, nice. Some, some Latin influences. It's a very unique thing to Washington DC, but that's, that's really like my bread and butter. Yeah. You, I grew up doing. You, uh, you brought up pre COVID. I think that that kind of boomed into the whole Instagram drumming thing too. I've noticed a lot of drummers doing experimental stuff with hits like yours and stuff like that. So I saw the boom there as well as doing loops and hip hop beats too. Absolutely. There's a lot of people that are in confined spaces that are trying to play at home. And so, mm-hmm. um, there have been a couple innovations, uh, that we did specifically for that. So like obviously, um, internally triggered drums with mesh heads, mm-hmm. uh, has been a, has been a new build that we've been doing, which is pretty cool. It, uh, has an internal brain that's mounted inside the case, mm-hmm. um, and can be toggled through with a, a series of buttons on the side of the case. So you can, have inputs and you can literally connect an entire electric drum set together. And this is sort of the hub and the power source and everything. It's pretty that's, cool. That's next level, dude. <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're trying to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was going to touch base on that, but uh, I want to ask uh, what, obviously the suitcases aren't, uh, aren't being used as they used to be, but what, how do you go searching for them? Do you make the suitcase for yourself or do you kind of scan the internet or goodwill stores looking for suitcases? 
So there's, there's two series that I offer. Um, so the first series, and this is the original series that, that started with case space is called the vintage series. And basically I got really good at finding case collectors online and, you know, just started forming relationships with them. Mm-hmm. So at any given time I could have three or four people out scouring for suitcases and the demand at the time, even at the beginning was so high that I would be buying basically people's entire collections. Um, eventually you started to see like a, saturation um you know you buy 250 vintage cases and all of a sudden like the pickings are a lot slimmer yeah yeah so that's what started me saying well why don't i just make a suitcase you know there are all these limitations Mm -hmm. with sizes and materials i was always having to re-rivet old suitcases build internal frames to make them stronger everything trying to basically make a a square peg fit in a round hole Mm -hmm. and i was like i can just make this i can just make the case Nice. And so that's how we started the custom shop series. And that's literally handmade from the ground up. I mean, even the, the clasps that hold the handles on are hand machined out of solid brass. Like everything is handmade on that product. Nice. And excuse my ignorance on this. Uh, what is the, the most the most used uh, materials in a suitcase? Um, is it like a hard plastic or any kind of woods that kind of stand out? So on a vintage suitcase, it's usually like a really crappy, thin uh, ply of wood, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes soaked in a super toxic glue to give it strength. Huh. It's a uh, God awful to work with. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so definitely when I started making my own suitcases, that was something that I wanted to get away from right away. And so starting with the basic materials, I used basically the finest voidless plywood you can buy. Okay. And, uh, so, uh, you know, we, I, I played around with, solid woods and plies and found that with plies, just the weight factor was so much better because, you know, this has to be a portable product. Yeah. You got to be able to carry it around. Yeah. And so having a Russian voidless ply definitely was the the next level because it gives it strength and it's super light too. Nice. And another kind of dummy question. Um, is there typical sizes that you kind of, you know, structure around, um, like a typical suitcase size or, or, or being custom, can you kind of branch out and do a huge suitcase style? Yeah, I mean, you know, different people have done different things. Like, um, I'm I'm good friends with uh, uh, Buddy from Love Custom Drums, who is, if you ever want to interview someone who's been pivotal in the drum industry, he's a great guy. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. Me and him have played around with, like, how do we fit a 24-inch shell in a suitcase <laughs> and make that, <laughs> you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, but generally speaking, like, the cases are all usually the same size, which is uh, 20 by 24 by 8. It's an 18 inch shell in it perfectly. Okay. Um, vintage series cases are usually smaller. They're usually like 17 by 17 by five. Mm-hmm. So they fit a 16 inch drum. So, you know, a little less tone, a little less storage room than the custom shop. Mm-hmm. But you're really like with the, with the vintage series, you kind of get what you get. You get what's available out there. So I've, I've built with all sorts of odd shapes and sizes. Nice. And I know you mentioned using mesh heads, but what is your go-to head choice I'm putting on the, the case? So I'm, I am an Aquarian person all the way through. Nice. Um, I really like their super kick drum heads. Yep. That's something that, I mean, even when I've had, um, <laughs> like I made a, a drum for uh, Thomas Pridgen, who's also a really great oh, wow. uh, hero of mine. Yeah. And he's sponsored by Evans. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I had to make an Evans head for him. Uh, or I had to use the Evans head and I literally ended up buying an Evans head, 
buying an aquarium head, melting off the felt ring that was on the inside (laughs) and gluing it to the backside. Basically I made it into a super kick. Oh, nice. Um, Mm. So I'm very fond of that style and, you know, I'm branching out a little bit more of like the vintage style drum heads, but Mm. it always kind of lands in the aquarium realm. Yeah. Aquarium have a very, very thick ply. And I I was, you know, whenever I use them, their, their life tends to be about three or four times longer, especially with bass drum heads. Yeah, and they use glue versus crimping and stuff like that. And so I honestly feel like that kind of dampens the head a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just uh, – the guys at Aquarian have been awesome. I uh, was originally planning to curate their most recent NAM uh, display mm-hmm. um, during I, – I was, I was running a charity event uh, last Christmas, and Aquarian was awesome. They reached out to me. They were like, how can we help? offered to send boxes of drum heads to give away as a raffle prize. And, nice. um, I was uh, at a fork in the road. Do I finish out this charity or do I go curate aquariums? Yeah. Display yeah. it, man. And chose the charity. I feel good about that choice, but they've maintained a really solid relationship with me through this. And for me being so little, I, I appreciate that, you know? Yeah, that's very cool. And, uh, um, one question I want to ask you is, um, storage. So obviously this is a portable unit. How much can you typically store in the suitcase itself when you're carrying it around? Yeah, that's a great question. So generally it's a, you know, a 14 inch snare drum, some high hats and a small diameter crash, something like a 16 or a 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I have built nesting kits where you can fit a floor tom, tom, a very small snare drum, cymbals, floor tom legs, drumsticks um and that's usually about the max it gets kind of heavy at a certain point (laughs) you try to put your whole kit into one box you know that's nice yeah that's a lot to be honest with you that's that's quite cool um i know you pictured with a lot of different types of drums but what are some of your favorite drums that you think accent the the bass drum cases that you use um so i'm a big fan of walnut shells Mm -hmm. um walnut and mahogany um I'm, it, it really depends on the person's playing style. The one thing I, that I, you know, being a fan of custom drums when I started this company, you know, you kind of think about like, what's your mission statement? Like, this is your company. You can control everything about it. So make it the way you want to make it. Mm-hmm. And one thing I really like about our process is if you go to make an order, let's say, well, we took our website down during COVID, but if it was up and you were to place an order, you would immediately get a phone call. And that phone call would lead to a conversation about tone, inspiration, uh, style, what music you play. People are sending me links to their band. Where do you want to play this? What's the, what's the application? Are we doing studio? Are we touring? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I can kind of pick the right shell material, um, pick the right attachments and things like that based on that individual person. So it's not as cookie cutter um, as it should be. <laughs> no, no. And I, I hope you continue to do that process because it, it puts a lot more value and weight into the product as well. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, there's a space in our industry for um, people who want to be very thoughtful with the products that they make. And so those are always the companies I'm most drawn to. And I think that's sort of what I had in mind when, yeah. when I was trying to come up with that mission statement, how I wanted to go about doing this. And as you grow, you will find like-minded people to work with too. And I have a feeling you're going to do really well in that situation where you're going to have to branch out a little bit, but yeah, I mean, you can continue that custom kind of personality. I think that's going to do wonders for you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, um, 
it's nice getting to connect with people, you know, uh, the people that are case-based fans are diehard. Um, the clients that we have are like literally like family members. We all check in on each other and nice. stay in touch and send each other photos. And, you know, it's, um, it's like a, a little bit of a culture within the company, which I I've always wanted to have, you know? Nice. Now, if I were a customer going into it and seeing it, what would be the best place to reach out to you? Just going to the website or just kind of contacting directly? So, um, right now we're actually not taking orders. Uh, we'll be taking orders at the beginning of next month. So one thing <laughs> that happened during COVID is demand went way up. Really? Um, oh yeah. <laughs> and we, we've always had a bit of a waiting list, right? Um, that, that comes with one person only being able to actually make the product. It's lead times are a little bit longer than someone, you know, busting out an assembly line. But at a certain point, the waiting list was getting a little excessive. And so we took everything down to kind of catch up and we're finally on the end of that, um, catch up phase. Mm -hmm. If someone wanted to reach out when we're open, our website is the number one place to do that, which is casebase.com. Um, a lot of times people reach out on Instagram. They'll just message us and say, Hey, I love your work. I want to buy one. Tell me about it. Mm -hmm. And that usually leads to obviously a longer conversation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, going forward, that's a, that's a silver lining in the clouds there. And you, with all the downtime everyone has, it kind of does bring, you know, hobby music kind of uphill too as well. So it's kind of cool to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, especially locally, you know, being in Washington, D.C., the proximity to government, I think a lot of people are home but still working. So they have dispensable income but also free time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe even boredom. So the ability to have sort of a small uh, footprint drum, I think has been important to a lot of people in quarantine. Now I wanted to touch base on the electronic kit that you were talking about. I've noticed that as you were mentioning earlier, you have XLR inputs directly into it, which I think is really cool. Are you using, you. Uh, what type of triggers are you using on the head and what kind of modules are you using to kind of get that going? So the triggers that I use are made by a company called Helenson. Um, they make an internally mounted dual zone trigger and they're all handmade. Um, you know, working with small companies is kind of what I prefer to do. Mm -hmm. Um, now when it comes to modules and things like that, obviously you have to go with usually roll in modules. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times if a customer's playing with electric kits, I'll have them send me their module and I'll retrofit it to fit inside the case. Oh, that's really um, cool. So it can be, <laughs> yeah, that way you can you can take it in and out, in and out. If you want to just play your regular electric kit, you can. Nice, nice. And um, yeah. and it's just a simple XLR uh, input too, right? Nothing too crazy after that. Absolutely. So we do uh, a quarter inch TRS or XLR, depending on what you what you want. We also do internal mics as well. So that's typically uh, XLR. Oh, nice. Now I want to talk about your artist roster. Um, obviously it's been growing over the years. Is there any, um, kits that you made that kind of stand out over some, uh, well-known endorses? Yeah. So, um, the Travis Barker one's pretty big, although I wouldn't call him an endorsee at all. This is, uh, uh I apologize for that. <laughs> more of a, no, it's okay. It's a more of a passion, passion project that, mm -hmm. you know, he reached out and wanted one. So I'm happy to make him one. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the one I'm working on that I'm really excited about right now is uh, for Quest Love, which oh. is going to be pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's amazing, man. So it's a uh, African-inspired case. It's uh, three-tone instead of two-tone. So it's uh, red, black, and green. Oh, nice. We're doing some, some pretty cool brass work with it as well. Um, uh, basically turning a port into a badge. So it 
it'll make more sense when we <laughs> show pictures. Uh-huh. Um, but that's the most exciting one I think we're working on right now. It's just totally unique. We're getting a bunch of aluminum drums designed to match it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that's huge, man. I, I Correct me if I'm wrong. It'd be really cool to see him play it on the Jimmy Fallon show, too. I know he's a big lover yeah. guy, but that'd be amazing. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, yeah. His, uh, uh, his brother-in-law is the one who reached out, and this is actually a Christmas present for Quest. Oh, <laughs> does he know about it? Or I'm sorry. <laughs> he has... He has no idea, but I'm, you know, I'm sure he won't be upset if he finds out. <laughs> oh, okay, I apologize for bringing that up. I'm sorry. No, you're good. All right. All good. All right, <laughs> so if I wanted to hear him, what would, I know your Instagram page is pretty well built, but what would be the best, like, sound samples to kind of go out and hear him? Um, so, yeah, we, we post a lot of uh, videos on Facebook, on Instagram. We have a few videos up on YouTube if you search Cake Base. Um some of the longer videos you would find on YouTube, for example, there's a studio owner who went and like basically dissected the tone of the product based on different input methods and how you might get And um, as a studio owner, he kind of took case base and picked it apart a bit, which I thought was cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's, that's on our YouTube page. And then we have videos from our charity that we did last year. We have videos of uh, drummers like Carl Groman, who's uh, on the case base roster. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very unique player. Um, we have maybe five or ten videos of, of that in different situations, so you get a nice balance of what the sound looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, just the basic socials, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. That's that's the best place to find stuff. Nice, yeah, and I'll definitely uh, share the links there because I, you know, I geek out on that stuff too, and I can get stuck in a rabbit hole for hours just watching that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I Welcome know. to my life. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, David, uh, I know you're a busy guy, and I don't want to keep you too long. Um, I what would, so as you mentioned, the best place to reach out to you would be Instagram, Facebook, and you know checking out on YouTube. I just really want to thank you for coming on. I think you you have some really cool stuff in your future here, and I'm I'm excited to see some of the Kit Bills and the Travis Barker Kit itself. I really want to say thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's fun talking drums anytime. Oh okay, yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely do it in the future when you have a little bit more time. But uh, um, yeah, thank you once again. Absolutely. All right.